Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The 1865 Match Report. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. I am the Marathon of the Midlands and today we are looking back at Forest Championship match with Reading. It's been a tough few months for the Royals, as Prince Andrew can confirm. And today's match was no different, as Forest romped home to a 4-0 win in front of another bumper crowd of over 28,000 people. A super early first half goal from Keenan Davis set Forest on the way. Well, that wasn't until the second half that further goals from Davis, Yates and Surridge wrapped up the win. To tell us if it was as easy as it looks at first sight, we are joined by a glorious leader here at 1865, Le Grand Fromage, Rich Ferraro. Hello, Rich. Hola. Thank you very much. And let's let's talk about the teams before we go any further, because obviously there was a particularly exciting start to the match. But let's um, just cover the main bit of team news, which was that Horvath stayed in goal and then Surridge didn't stay in the team despite an impressive display on Monday night. So Keenan Davis was up front. And then Zinkenogel wasn't even in the 18. Apparently he'd been poorly. So uh, Jimmy Garner was playing um, further forward with Jack Colback playing alongside Yates in midfield. And that might be significant a little bit later. Um, shall we start with the, uh, with the opening goal? Yeah, it's always best to start at the beginning. So a crackerjack start for Boris Rich. Well, you know what? I mean, we remember, I think it was 20 odd years ago, uh, what I think was the fastest goal ever at the city ground when Jack Lester scored one of, it, was, it might have been his first goal in a red shirt, actually. And uh, we were there was, for that one, weren't we? We were. It was a midweek game and we travelled back and made it all the way back to Nottingham. And as soon as we, as soon as we were there, he scored. Well, yeah. And this wasn't entirely dissimilar. So uh, from the kickoff, uh, the ball went to McKenna, who passed it to Cook, who passed it to Worrell who passed it down the channel and it was beautifully weighted for Jed Spence. And uh, Jedmond was making an early run into the uh, right-hand channel. He put it across for Keenan Davis. It was ever so slightly behind Davis um, between the six-yard box and the penalty spot. But he um, took it in one movement, back to goal, got the ball, turned around, swept it home. And I think it was 17 seconds on the clock, which was really um, quite impressive and a very happy start for the Reds. Yes. And uh, were they able to build on this? Do they have the uh, line share of possession and control, would you say, the early opening stages after the goal? Um, the short answer is no, um, <laughs> basically. Ah. Um, so Forrest were pretty good in those first few opening minutes, but it went very flat um, before before 10 minutes were up. And this was not necessarily down to Reading being good or bad. I think Forrest were not doing the simple things well. 
And the worry was, in my mind, is this a sign of fatigue? Is it that the, you know, the constant stream of matches, you know, two high intensity matches just in the last week or so, was that, was that taking its toll mentally and physically? And the question, you know, it was, would Reading capitalise? And, and they, they nearly did, actually. And they had they had some good chances. They were playing a sort of a 4-1-4-1 type formation. And um, they had Danny Drinkwater, who was holding the midfield. And it meant that Jimmy Garner was never really that involved in the first half. It meant that um, the centre midfield of Colback and Yates was struggling to create stuff because... Um, and then Yakumete was was up front more or less by himself. What was interesting is that Tom Ince had a very amusing early booking. For those of you old enough to remember a certain chant about his dad in the 90s, Tom basically had a mard and he really went off on one and got a booking for basically having a go at the ref and, and having a proper mard. Uh, and so naturally the Forest supporters loved that, but he did actually have some impressive moments in the game and it was his corner that led to Michael Morrison. The ball broke. It bounced off Steve Cook in the area. And it broke to Michael Morrison on the um, back post. And he must have thought he was going to score from point blank range. But Ethan Horvath, was, his positioning was excellent. He tracked the ball all the way and he blocks the ball in a way that wasn't entirely dissimilar to his save of the round against Huddersfield uh, just a few days ago. There was also the opportunity where Ince did a mazy run, got down to the byline, put in a good cross, and Josh Laurent um, flew in at the far stick, and he's going to be absolutely kicking himself because he didn't even hit the target. Uh, but in real time, we're all, get, we're all head in hands thinking that's in, and it just flashed the other side of the post. So um, Forrest weren't doing the, the simple things well, and they were conceding opportunities, and, and it was just a bit flat and a bit scrappy. But Yeah. Bit flat and scrappy, but down to some good Reading play. What what's Drinkwater look like now? He's been sort of in the wilderness for about three or four years. Is, is he still look, look like a good quality player? His passing wasn't great, but he, I say, he was anchoring that midfield, and, and crucially, that meant that Forrest's engine room was was nullified because Drinkwater meant that Garner couldn't get into the game, and then ahead of him they had uh, Laurent and who did they have? Rinomota, and they were stopping Colback and Yates from really getting any time on the ball. So they're trying to they're trying to be busy. And at the risk of stating the obvious, you'd expect a Paul Lintz team to be scrappy and to be niggly and so on and so forth. And they did that quite quite well. But I say, just to repeat, Forrest's ineffectiveness in the first half, I think, was as much down to Forrest as it was down to anything that the opposition were doing. Hmm. And just another quick point about what you mentioned, uh, Hobart. He's mm-hmm. made another great save. Do you think he's 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 introduced a calm air to the Forest defence? He seems like a calm, quiet person, the polar opposite of uh, uh, Bryce Samba. Do you think he introduces a bit of ca- calmness into that Forest defence? Um, well, in comparison, yeah, because with Samba, it's it's all about the flamboyance, isn't it? And and, and it's all about uh, being a showman. So, in comparison, yes, um, Horvath. As a shot stopper, he's really good, I think. And as I mentioned, his positioning is very, very good indeed. So the um, the the sort of he also made a save from a cross come shot by Yakumete, and that was him anticipating things well, being in the right place to make the save. With his feet, he's okay. He did a few good moments, um, 
but he mainly chooses to just pass it to the centre halves rather than try anything too fancy, which is fine. He did have a hairy moment in the second half. I mean, we'll, we'll just very quickly talk about that, where he tried a slightly more ambitious pass out and he got it wrong. And Drinkwater tried to lob him because uh, the ball went straight to him. Uh, and Horvath, he, he made the save, a flying save, whether it was going in or not. It's very difficult to tell from where I was. But that was probably the one moment where he blotted his copybook. So obviously, Samba makes mistakes with his feet sometimes. All goalkeepers do. It's a high risk position. Actually, I have to say, I thought that Horvath looked like a good, safe pair of hands. Mm, good. Um, the first half, let's just wrap that up. It ended on a sour note for Forrest with uh, uh, unwanted injury. Yeah, so if we talk about the flanks, on the right-hand side, as you'd expect, Reading were doubling and tripling up on Jedman Spence. Uh, and on the left-hand side, Max Lowe, he had a lot more space, but because the forest passing wasn't so crisp is often just behind him and he wasn't the only one who's receiving the ball like where he had to kind of gather his position he just seemed slightly lethargic and then on 40 minutes he went down in forest's own box when uh when forest had conceded a corner and it was pretty obvious that he wasn't going to be continuing so we did see kafu come on and that meant that colback went to left back as you'd expect um, so it's a worry. Um, Steve Cooper did play it down slightly in his interview. He said that he hopes it's nothing too serious. It could be that Maxi had been a little bit poorly in the week, like Zinkenagel, uh, Jedmond had been poorly as well. So maybe it was just that, although he seemed fit enough to start, maybe it was just a bit too much for him. Um, so Cooper wasn't committing himself either way. Uh, it did mean we looked a little bit ragged in terms of Colback moving to left back, Kafu coming into midfield. Um, and I've got to be honest, at that point, it was all about getting through to half time. I think we all felt that we needed to get to the interval. Mm. And then we managed to do that. And the second half, was it a much improving performance from Forrest? It, it was. It took a little while to get going in the sense of, um, in the sense of, Forest kind of finding their form and their shape and really gathering momentum. But already, in terms of how things looked, there are a few little tweaks. So the first thing is that, as I'd hoped was going to happen, Jimmy Garner dropped back from playing in the hole to playing alongside Yates. So Yates on the right-hand side of centre mid, Garner on the left-hand side. That gave the team a lot of a lot better balance. It meant that Kafu was doing his kind of athletic Thing in the number 10 position uh, and Cafu also put through quite a few uh, made quite a few nice attempts at passing the ball through and so on and so forth so I think the, the team looked better balanced for that I also think that um, Spence came into the game a little bit more Brennan Johnson was pretty quiet um, which may be important when we come to talking about the second goal actually now the things that were constant through the game right through up until you know late on were that Davis up front and Cook at the back they were the two star players so we've mentioned Horvath he he did well but Cook and Davis were the only players who didn't really put a foot wrong throughout the game and this all led to it all culminated in a glorious glorious moment when Forrest doubled their lead and I think it's fair to say that OK, Forrest have been in the doldrums for a long time, but 
if you're going to win a game when you've not played that well, then having a goal like this really, really helps. Just describe it for us. I've, I've heard some spectacular things about it being described well, as Collymore-esque. Would you go that far? Is it Collymore-esque? Well, for those of us who are old enough to remember, then then yes, it is. Um, obviously, on the podcast before, we've made some comparisons between Keenan Davis and Kevin Campbell in terms of his his stature and his um, his ability to hold the ball up, as well as his ability to score some goals. Um, now, what's interesting is that this was one of those moments. This is why you could say it's Collie Moresque, where he obviously, you know, got the ball 25 yards out and just thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Now, tactically, there's a really important thing that I think needs to be said, which is that Cooper had swapped around Johnson and Davis. So rather than Johnson playing down the right-hand channel and Davis in the left, they swapped him around. So Keenan Davis received the ball from Joe Worrell, back to goal, 25 yards out in the right-hand channel. And this is the first time that his centre-halves had to, put, had to deal with that. So Davis received the ball with three men just on his back, Back to goal, he in one movement shrugged them off, span around 180 degrees and lost his men in one go. Then he got towards the edge of the box. And as uh, Michael Morrison, who's the right sided centre half for Reading, tried to approach him, he actually used Morrison to disguise his shot. So he curled the ball around, knowing that Morrison was going to block the goalkeeper's view of it. And of course, the shot was perfectly curled, hit the inside of the post. So it always looks good when that happens. But it was just a goal out of nothing. It was a goal that demonstrated that he's a striker who's in good form, enjoying his football, feeling confident. And he obviously enjoyed it because he he took the booking for ripping his shirt off as he celebrated. Uh, There's always a downside, but never mind. Um, Soon a third goal for it follows before us by the new goal machine. Ryan Yates. Yeah, so um, it did come. And there, again, is a tactical tweak that I think is worth mentioning. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. By that point, Reading had gone to a 4-4-2. So they took off Danny Drinkwater, who was anchoring their midfield, and they put on Lucas Zhao, the dangerous centre-forward. And so that meant that they'd gone 4-4-2. And what that meant is straight away, I noticed that when Forrest were pushing forward, it meant that Ryan Yates pushed forward as well because he wasn't, they weren't having to match the midfield, as it were, uh, with Reading having one man less. So when Forrest were, uh, didn't have the ball, Yates dropped back into the, into the position alongside Garner. But when they did have the ball, Garner sat back in a sort of a number six position and Yates moved forward into a number eight position. So when Jedmond went down the right-hand channel, he had to cut back um, and rather than lose possession, he managed to poke it back to Ryan Yates, who was 25 yards out, sort of right edge of the D. And Yates just saw, saw an opportunity to have a go. And again, doesn't this just show how confident he is? I think that's three and three. Five goals since he netted um, his uh, second or third goal of the season against Barnsley, which was at the end of January. And would he have had a go at doing this um, a few months ago? I don't think so. But he saw the gap. He went for it. I think that the goalkeeper will feel disappointed that he didn't get it because it wasn't right in the corner. But again, I think he was slightly unsighted by where his defenders were. 
So Yates just saw the opportunity, had a go, he hit it with decent power, and you know what? Deserved, and you're going to take that, aren't you? Yep, it's um, it's something we spoke about at length on the podcast down the years that we always felt that Yates' best position was as a breaking midfielder, and we felt he was he was really misused and underused uh, under Chris Hewton and, and Sabri. Uh, they really didn't use the best of his attributes, and, it, and it's, it's brilliant to finally be vindicated in that sense and see that he is becoming the uh, player we always thought he could be. Um, and it even got better for Forrest. They're icing on the cake, if you please describe it, please. Well, yeah. So um, by this point, um, Keenan Davis had been withdrawn 70 minutes as usual and Sam Sawyer had come on. And then with Forrest making the game safe, Brennan Johnson had had a very, very quiet match. He, he never, never quite managed to, to get to grips with this game. And so I was saying to the bloke next to me, well, this would seem like a good opportunity to give Zande Silva some minutes, no pressure on him, get Brennan off, the match is in the bag, um, so give him a bit of a rest and keep him fresh. And that's exactly what Steve Cooper did about two minutes later. And the great thing about the final goal of the game was not only that it was a lovely move and a very tidy goal, but it featured all three substitutes. So the ball was played forward, um, I think it was by um, Spence, or it might have been by Cook. Apologies, I don't remember. But Kafu flicked it on, um, on the edge of the centre circle for Zandi Silva to run down the right-hand side. And again, a conversation from the bloke next to me. We had said, can you imagine if you're the Reading defence, you've been battered by Keenan Davis, and then you've got Surridge and Silva running at you. Um, and that's exactly what happened. So Silva got down the right-hand channel. And what I really loved about this is he played a very early cross and it was one of those perfect corridor of uncertainty balls that you've heard me talk so much about on the podcast recently. And Surridge, again, confidence. He made it look so easy. It would have been so easy to get it wrong. But he's just swept it home in one go. His body shape was perfect. He came onto it. The ball meant that he could step into it. Uh, but he got his um, his positioning, his body shape right. He got his head over it and he just swept it majestically home at, at, at his near post. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really like the look of, of uh, Surridge. He's a, he's a very graceful player. He's got he's got real speed. And, and normally when players have speed, they get described as having raw speed. But his isn't raw speed, it's controlled speed. He, he's so smooth in his running action. And you can see that sort of translates into his finishing as well. Just a few glimpses we've seen. Um, it's showing me that I think we've picked up a real bargain there for a couple of million quid. I think he could be one of the best signings we ever make. Um, I've been very impressed with him. Um, an interesting point about uh, Brennan Johnson. I was I was talking to somebody before the match and saying that I've been expecting him to be maybe rested for a game here or there. I'm, I'm really been surprised that he's he's played every game, especially as uh, Lolly and um, and Mighton are back to fitness now. I I, I would have maybe have dropped rested him for this game and given one of those to a run. Um, I don't know, but it's, it would be a ballsy decision by Steve Cooper to drop him, uh, considering mm-hmm. how many goals he's contributed uh, recently. And he doesn't like to make many changes, um, having already been forced into a zinc and change because of his illness. I guess it was always going to be unlikely. Um, so at that moment, it seemed like a glorious, glorious day for Forrest, 4-0. Uh, fantastic football, fantastic goals, but it all ended on a rather downbeat note for everybody. What happened? It's, yeah, it did. And um, 
as so often happens, you know, you don't, even in a 4 0 game, and I think it's worth pointing out the Forest were very good in the second half, but at 3 0, again, the, the sort of the, the, the people saying, well, we've managed to get to 3 0 without really getting out of second or third gear. Um, so 4 0. We're delighted with that, and you just sometimes take you take take your eye off the ball a little bit. So Reading kind of got through; they managed to get through to uh, into the box, and Ryan Yates had made a bit of a mistake. Um, you know, these things happen, and if you get if they're going to happen, I guess it's better they happen when you're four nil up. But in the ensuing attempts to try and clear the ball, it went out for a corner, and then Forest fans just we just sort of turned and just saw Steve Cook go down in stages. Um, he's one of those where he, he initially kind of was standing up and like looking a bit sore. And then he went, he went down and as he went down, you could see he was in a lot of pain and straight away uh, the players and the referee were motioning to the physios to come on and have, and, and, and come to his aid. And we were saying, well, it's always worrying when a player goes down like that, when, uh, when it seems like he's going down when there's nothing else happening, if you see what I mean, where you don't see it happen. So it was quite worrying. He was lying there with his shirt pulled up over his head because he wanted to hide his face because he was in that much pain. And then just as they called uh, for gas and air and they called for the stretcher, they managed to get him to his feet. And uh, ha- Keenan Davis had had a standing ovation when he was substituted. Steve Cook got a standing ovation, even though there was no substitute to come on. And he walked very slowly and gingerly around the touchline. So we don't know how serious it is. Um, Steve Cooper even said he's not quite sure what the injury is, if it's a knee or an ankle. Um, But you and I were discussing before we started recording, weren't we, that if it's an impact injury, let's just hope it's one of those things that's a bit sore, just needs a couple of days and maybe an ice pack to calm down and, and he'll be okay. So, it, yeah, it, it added a bit of a sour note. We'd used all of our subs, so we couldn't even bring anyone on. So it meant that we played stoppage time with with 10 men. But, of course, the game was was dead by then. So um, it was just a little bit sombre. Yeah, um, it, it, it was worrying. Um, on a slightly sort of looking at an optis, optimistic way, we've only got two more matches in March. Um, one of those is a cup match against Liverpool when we're, we're not really expected to do anything. So maybe that gives players like Lowe and um, Cook chance to get fit in time for the run-in um, April onwards. Um, but yeah, uh, a great, great day all round in terms of three points. Uh, the opposition teams um, all sort of drop points all around. It was pretty much a perfect day. Only really Bournemouth pick, picking up a win in the, in the top half of the table. Uh, and we're still sort of hovering just outside the playoffs with a, with a game in hand on some teams. So it's still all looking very rosy for us. Next game is QPR. Do you expect some changes for that game? Well, does it count as a six-pointer? I guess so, yeah. I yeah, I think it does. I think it does. <laughs> yeah, so... Um... Well, obviously, a lot depends upon upon the fitness of the two players who went off today. Um, I can see it being the case that Lowe will be OK. Cook, given the way he went down, you know, you think, well, is it worth risking him? But as you mentioned earlier, Steve Cooper, he does like to work with a relatively small group of players. So if Cook's out, I would imagine that would probably mean Tobias Figueredo coming into the uh, middle of the back three. and. You know, 
there was yeah, it's one of those things. A lot of people on in the ground and on the way out of the ground were saying, "Oh, this would be a chance to give Mbeso um, uh, a run in the team." It's like Mbeso's not even been getting on the bench. Um, I like him, and I think he's a good player, but Cooper is sticking with a small group of players. And so to- Toby is clearly the next in line and Toby is probably best suited to that centre of the back three kind of role. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see him come in uh, on Wednesday night. Um, if Zinconagel's available, then I would probably expect to see him play as well, leading to that whole central midfield conundrum of how do you fit three into two. But obviously if Lowe's out, then it means that Colback was, is likely to be playing on the left anyway. Ah, oh, great. So, well, let's, let's hope for another three points on uh, Wednesday night then. And uh, uh, then we can look forward to the Big Cup game next weekend. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for another match report. Hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. That always helps. And we'll catch you next time. I was, I was going to try and squeeze in a joke about um, Kate Winslet being a uh, Reading fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're in danger of going down quicker than the Titanic. Sports Social Podcast Network.